You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoy of the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how you doing today? I'm doing spectacular. Uh, I would be even better if I won that uh, billion dollars. Yeah, um, I think we would all be a little bit better if we won that that billion dollars. I know uh, me for sure. I, I don't know what I would spend it on. Do you know what you would spend it on? What would be your first purchase? Oh, wow. My first purchase, um, would probably be uh, a home for my mom, even though my mom has a home and we have a, a decent home, uh, where I grew up, but I would still, you know, buy her, uh, another home, probably closer to me here in Denver, but I know she would refuse because she likes the warm weather, but that's kind of the first thing that I would, uh, I would purchase, but you don't think that you would be able to uh, contain yourself with all that money in the bank? Well, Nick, being the great person I am, I would donate all the money to charity. So <laughs> you know what? Where, where where are the other cameras? Okay, where are the other cameras? <laughs> yeah, right. You would donate all the money to charity. No, you won't. Now, listen, I would donate some money to uh, charity for I think several charities uh, in mine, and, and one of them really quickly is uh, the Innocent Project to try to help uh, some of those individuals who've been falsely accused. So. I would start right there, but what, but how would you tell all your your friends and family, hey, man, I just put some numbers on a piece of paper, and now I'm a billionaire? Think about all your relatives that would have now started coming out of the woodworks. Yeah, well, they wouldn't get any of the money. I said that before we got on the, the pod today, that they wouldn't get any of the money, and I stand by that. Uh, you know, they can make their own money. My brother... Shout out my brother. He's going to be a software engineer. He's already got like jobs lined up outside of college. He's going to make a lot of money. So he doesn't need, you know, any of my, my daddy and he's fine. He doesn't need any money. So, um, you know, it's all for me. I think I need the money the most. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep it all. Uh, but well, uh, go ahead, Nick. Well, there's a, there's a guy who was uh, making or trying to make the most out of his money or, or being, uh, I guess, criticized for his money. And that's Russell Wilson. So uh, yeah. big, big uh, game this weekend and a big tough game. So we'll see how they bring things together and see if they can uh, put back-to-back wins together. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted to dive into here to start too, Nick, is this is such a big uh, game. It feels like, because if, if you can go into Tennessee and, you know, steal a win against a really good Titans team on the road, you know, you look at the schedule, and I know that there's some teams down the line that it's going to be really difficult, right? You go to the Ravens, you've got the Chiefs still twice, the Chargers are coming here. Um, you know, those sorts of games are going to be really tough. But you look at the next three games, and you say, okay, if you can still one against the Titans, you get a two and six Raiders team at home, which I know they've struggled against the Raiders, but they should win that game. Then you turn around, you go on the road to Carolina against a team that's arguably one of the worst in the NFL. You're looking at a, a three-game stretch here where you could be sitting at six and five in a couple of weeks, and with you know the playoffs right there for the taking. Well, yeah, I mean when you break it down that way and you look ahead at the schedule, yeah, I mean that's what everyone in Broncos country is hoping. But at the same time, if you're the Denver Broncos and you are in a thing you hack it, you're not trying to look that far. You're just trying to look at the five inches in front of your face, and that is the Tennessee Titans. And notice though, they played Kansas City really tough on the road, uh, uh, running the ball and being very physical on the defensive side uh, of the ball. So they're thinking, okay, well, here's a game that we played against a team that is uh, probably a Super Bowl contender, and we played well against them with Malik Willis, who had a very ex- few, a little experience, that is, 
uh, playing the quarterback uh, position and when they were not able to throw the ball. So you're hoping that you go down there and you can pull off a win. But here's the, here's the issue that they're going to face. So the Broncos are coming off of that uh, emotional win against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. It seemed like it was so far ago. But you're going down to Tennessee where they can run the ball. They have a deafening crowd. How will the Broncos will be? How will they be able to handle that as a team collective, especially if things start to go south? Yeah, definitely. And and it's going to be interesting to see because I feel like they handled, uh, you know, being on the road this last week. I, I guess it's a different type of atmosphere playing in London versus, you know, an actual uh, traditional NFL road game. But, you know, they 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 handled it well in London and, and they they performed well. And that's what I think gives you a little bit of optimism, right? Is they're coming off a performance where they did finally put it together, at least in the in the final moments, right? They they went down and they scored when they needed to. The defense got the stop that they needed to at the end of the game. But Nick, I, I wanted to ask you, as we head into this this week and you look at some of the matchups and, and and just also where the Broncos roster is, what are some of the biggest challenges facing this team and, and specifically with some of the personnel? I know there's been some injuries. Uh, you know, I mean, the offensive line is just decimated at this point. Um, you know, but but what what are some of the biggest challenges personnel wise for this team moving forward, not only for this week, but the rest of the season? Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It is uh, the offensive line. We're having uh, so many guys filled in due to injury and you worry about uh, the chemistry. Is, is it there? And I know that sounds strange, George. Hey, these guys see each other every day. They practice with one another since the beginning of training camp. But I can tell you, it's a, it's a little different across that offensive line opposed to playing on defense because each guy has to think just like the guy next to him. And sometimes if one guy's thinking, hey, let me move my left arm, the other guy's trying to move his right arm, then we see what we've seen thus far, those guys not being able to pick up those uh, little simple ET stunts off the edge and then Russell Wilson is being sacked. So they will remain the focal point of this offense, not just because of the, the inconsistency and the injuries, but this is how this type of offense wants to move. They want to run the ball, and they have a big challenge this week against the Tennessee Titans because they are one of the stingiest teams in the NFL when it comes to running the football. So it's going to be interesting to see how Nathaniel Hackett employs some of the recent acquired offensive weapons and how he's going to deploy Chase Edmonds. So that could be the guy that changes a lot of things uh, for for the Broncos, and I know he hasn't really been here a long period of time, but these are the things I'm going to be looking for. George, how about yourself? Yeah, well, you mentioned Chase Edmonds. I wanted to ask you a follow-up question, and then I'll dive into to what I think. But how do you view them using him, and what does he do differently than maybe uh, Latavius Murray or Melvin Gordon? Because I feel like those are going to be their three guys, at least this week, and I, I think Marlon Mack may also be in that mix. But what does maybe Chase, Chase Edmonds bring to that group that – uh, maybe the other two don't have uh, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I know that sounds crazy because we've seen Melvin catch the ball. We've seen Latavius Murray catch the ball as well. But uh, you talk about a guy who is uh, built for this and it is Chase, Chase Edmond. He's a smaller type guy. Still, he's a physical runner, but he just has catching ability. And when you have a running back like that, you can put him in situations to take advantage of, especially a downhill aggressive tacking defense like the Titans have flex him out, motion him out, create that matchup, create less men in the box. And this is a, this would be a perfect game where, you know, the Broncos now said, well, we're going to put two running backs in the backfield. I can easily see Latavius Murray and Chase Edmonds in the backfield because when you motion Chase out, now that team is still, the defense is still in their base package. Now you, you don't have a, a safety covering Chase. Now you have a linebacker, so you get a favorable box and you get a guy who can, you know, run routes like, a wide receiver maybe not exactly like a wide receiver but he can run routes but this is where chase Edmonds can be an excellent addition to this team and you know doesn't you mentioned marlon mack marlon mack has those same capabilities so if, if it were me and i'm the thing you hack it and our offense has been struggling you know you're facing a titans defense that's real stingy against the run i'm going to have all four running backs up because i want to constantly throw multiple looks at that defense and make them have to really defend both vertically and horizontally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting room, uh, maybe the most interesting room on the team, but because they could do so many different things with, with all four guys. Right. And, and I feel like Chase Edmonds will probably kind of take on that Mike Boone role where 
um, you know, it's third and long or what, or it's third down or whatever it is. And you bring him in so that, you know, if Russell, the play breaks down, you can pass it out to him and he, maybe he can make a play, uh, you know, down the field. So I'm really intrigued by what they're going to do there. I think Melvin Gordon is still going to be the starter, but it seems like week to week, we don't really know what they're doing at running back. So um, that'll be interesting to see, but you know, in terms of the challenges that I see with this team, Nick, moving forward in terms of the personnel, offensive line is my number one concern. I mean, you look at all five positions have now lost the starter for this, like either at some point in the season, right? So Garrett Bowles has gone down. Uh, Dar- Dalton Reisner, I believe, missed a game or at least has been banged up. Lloyd Cushenberry is now out four weeks. You know, Quinn Miners missed a, a few games. Uh, you know, right tackle's been just, you know, a rotation at this point so the, the uh, and you, nick you know how it works too the nfl in the nfl and really in, in offensive line play across any any level the best offensive lines are cohesive they mesh together well they play really well together you know what everybody's doing on the line uh, and it works as a unit and when you have guys shuffling in and out like the broncos do it makes it really hard to be a great unit that said I do think Graham Glasgow, he wasn't great earlier this year at guard. I do think he might give them a boost at center. I think that that's where he's played his best football in his career is at center, at least in Detroit, that was the case. Um, you know, when he first started his career. So I do think that he could do some nice things there. I don't know if it's an upgrade. Uh, it could be. I don't know. But it wouldn't shock me either if Graham comes out and plays great and he just never gives up the job again. Um, so – I, that's where my concern is. I do want to flip it to the other side of the ball, though, Nick, too, and talk a little bit about the defense. I know they've been playing great, but at least in terms of this week, playing a guy like Derrick Henry, I'm worried about those edge guys, and I know they have a lot of confidence in those guys. It sounds like Baron Browning might be back this week. Nick Benito's playing better. Jonathan Cooper, they pick up Jacob Martin. Uh, Randy Gregory's still a few weeks away, but – that's where my biggest concern is on the defense, at least this week. I think that they're they're going to be really good down the line. But this week, uh, they've shown to be vulnerable against the run game, and I think that's partly because of those edge guys. Well, that's the part of uh, the defense that I would say is weak at this particular uh, point in the season. Like You remember at the beginning of preseason, and everyone was saying, well, what are the weakest points of the Broncos team? And right away, we were pointing to the linebacker core. But I think that has gone through a reverse due to injury and the fact that Bradley Chubb is not being that this, this linebacker group, they have been, their importance have uh, kind of elevated because being able to keep guys, you know, probably on in, in the right direction, telling them where to go, but also being able to fit up on the run. And Josie Jill, I've said it before, he was a guy that, you know, I heavily criticized because his lack of mobility and speed as a linebacker. But when you play a game like this, like they're going to play, and it's, it's a good old-fashioned street fight, you need an Alexander Singleton, a Jonas Griffin, and you need a guy like Josie Jewell. So on the outside, yeah, there is a great, uh, I guess, number of concerns for me when I look at that group because will they be able to set the edge? Will they be disciplined for four quarters? I, I don't know because I've seen them over the season, they want to peek in. They want to see what's in there because they look so inviting because the gap opens up. If you allow Derrick Henry to take advantage of one of those outside linebackers peeking in and they get reached on the outside, it's going to be a long day for PS2 and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. And I don't think that's what uh, Azura Evero wants for his guys in the secondary. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to see you know, those guys on the edge. I think Jacob Martin will help him a bit. Obviously a, a veteran guy that they were able to trade for. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to even see him start on Sunday just because of that veteran presence. Jonathan Cooper has been playing pretty good football. And Nick Benito, you know, like I said, he's he's getting better each week, but we're still seeing the same issues in the run game that we've seen with him, you know, throughout his early career here. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they rotate those guys with obviously Chubb gone and who knows, if Baron Browning's, you know, even limited in the game uh, if he plays. But do you think Justin Simmons is going to play? You mentioned Justin Simmons. He missed practice on Wednesday. Do you think he's going to play this week? Well, you know, in a game like this that is uh, really important, he's going to try to do his best uh, to to play in the game. But once again, as a coach, you have to think about the player first. Uh, his injury, do you want to put him, put him in there? Is there a risk that he's going to make it worse? And, 
Justin's missed a significant amount of time uh, due to injury already. So they're going to have to play it by ear. Let's see if he practices on Friday and kind of, uh, I guess, what's his pain tolerance. But this is a game I know he definitely wants to play because if he doesn't play, someone else is in there. The team doesn't win because Derrick Henry went to all Derrick Henry on the defense. He's going to be a little upset with himself. Yeah. I mean, I think the secondary is in good shape either way. Um, you know, PJ Locke has played good football this year. I, I mean, they're a little thin there at safety right now because uh, Caden Stearns is out as well. But, um, you know, I, I think that I think Justin gives it a go, like you said. And, and the secondary is they, they can have a big day. Um, you know, the, the the Titans have shown that they can't really throw the ball. I don't think they have the playmakers. Obviously, when you lose A.J. Brown and Julio Jones from last year's team, uh, they don't really have the playmakers on the outside. So. I like this uh, Bronco secondary. Also, Kareem Jackson. How about him being named uh, a team captain uh, in replacement of, I guess, in, in replace of, of Bradley Chubb? Well, you know, that's great for him. But he, he I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to be named team captain uh, early on in the season. And Coach Hackett said, well, you know what, they've tried to do a great job of rotating uh, that C around. But I know it's important for Kareem to be recognized in that way. So now maybe it enthuses him fires him up to go out and have a better game. But with him, I, I, I'm just a little hesitant because his style of play is very uh, reckless. I mean, I was a very reckless guy when, when I played too. But against Derrick Henry, you want to make sure that you have, you're more of a streamlined tackler. You don't want to run in and just throw your body in there like we've seen Kareem do before because, like you said, that safety group, they're really thin, and you're going to need all hands on deck this Sunday against Derrick Henry in that run game. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see how they attack that. Um, it, I mean, so far, the defense has answered the bell pretty much every week. So, um, you know, I expect them to come out with a pretty good game plan on, on Sunday. But, Nick, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we've got to dive into some more Russell Wilson stuff, as we always do on here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And Nick, let's dive into some Russell Wilson talk. As always, uh, it seems like there's always a story with, with Russell. Uh, and that, I mean, that's the case for every star quarterback, right? Uh, across the league, there's always something going on. Um, but, uh, this week with Russell, uh, you know, I know we want to dive into some other stuff, but how about this wristband stuff with Seattle? I mean, I just, I, I roll my eyes, Nick, because it like, it's just so petty The like Pete Carroll back and forth. And for those that don't know, Pete Carroll came out and said that Geno Smith wears a wristband and that, uh, that's helped him how to have a lot of success this year. And the offense have a lot of success. Uh, and that there was resistance to it previously, obviously hinting at Russell Wilson not wanting to wear a wristband, which I thought it was interesting. He wore a wristband uh, in London against Jacksonville for the first time this season and was also wearing one yesterday in practice, Nick, uh, for the Broncos. But obviously Russell responded uh, and said, well, I won a lot of games uh, without a wristband in Seattle. But uh, did you have any thoughts on on those comments yesterday? I just kind of I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm like you, man. I, I roll my eyes at it. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll took a sort of jab at Russell without mentioning Russell's name because he could say, well, I was just talking about Gino and how great Gino is. But to me, when, he, when every time he talks about Gino, he slides something in about Russell because it has something to do with Russell didn't want to do or there was a disagreement between the two guys. And to me, it's, once again, it's low-hanging fruit. And I thought Russell did a great job of answering the question because it was one of those questions, George, that the media would ask to try to get a reaction from Russell. And like I've said before, you have to understand, this is Russell. This is who he is. And as always, he took uh, the, the high road. He said, hey, look, I mean, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't even know what uh, Pete really said. And then, he, and then he made the comments you said about 
hey, you know, didn't really, and this is me paraphrasing, didn't really think that, you know, wearing a wristband had to do or equate with a, a lot of wins. And he's absolutely right. I mean, there's certain quarterbacks who wear wristbands. There's certain quarterbacks who don't wear wristbands. Maybe it's an uncomfortable thing, but the fact that Russ is wearing one now, even, even that's going to become somewhat of a bigger story. So to me, it, it's nothing here, but you know how media works, especially here, here in Denver locally. They're going to try to do anything to poke the bear, and that was one of those poke the bear questions. I mean, his first question he got yesterday was, how was Mexico? Uh, because he went to Cabo, and it's just like, come on, guys, let's um, let's you know stick to football here. Uh, I, I just it, it's gotten to a point where I just I don't understand it, Nick. Like we just I, I I and I think Russell brings it upon himself a little bit here and there, but it's just like, man, I, I don't understand why people misunderstand this guy. Well, I mean, when you don't really know a guy and you haven't really tried your best to get to know him, then this is where we have this happen. This is not just a situation that happens with Russell. It's with a lot of athletes and with a lot of people. You hear a lot of things that's being said about a person, and you know how it works. It's just like anything that shows up on, on, on the Internet, and then it must be true. So the more people talk about something, then that makes it true. So... Russ is one of the more misunderstood uh, players in this game, and I'll say on this team. And once again, there are certain media members here who try to do a great job of knowing the person, telling the story. And there's other members of the media who, hey, man, it's all about clickbait and trying to kind of like hyping themselves up or, or the negative train. But with Russell, it's like you got to get to know Russell and other players before you look to tear him down, especially when you're not talking about football stuff. You're talking about personal stuff. Yeah, and he got pretty personal yesterday. I believe it was his dad's birthday who obviously uh, passed away, I, I want to say, while he was at Wisconsin or, or briefly after. Um, and we have the audio here from Broncos.com, but I, I thought that it was a, um, a pretty emotional – I mean, I guess not emotional, but uh, it was a pretty personable moment from, from Russell at the podium yesterday, and we have the audio right here. I was fortunate to have a dad that was uh, raised me, um, challenged me, pushed me, taught me, uh, read to me, uh, asked me questions, gave me a vision. My mom, too, as well, both of them. Um, you know, a dad that would work late nights just to make sure that I could have a chance to be here today. Uh, you know, a guy who, you know, uh, in, in his toughest days when, you know, and uh, he had diabetes and his leg amputated, you know, he snuck out of the hospital just to see me play, <laughs> hopped on a Greyhound and drove all the way to NC State. Uh, UNC football game just to see me play. The only thing I wish, two things, is one, I could see him again, and two, I wish he could have met Sierra, um, and my family, and my kids. But uh, but he did some amazing things. I it, Nick, here's my reaction to that, and I I think you may have been out there when he talked about that, and I was I was in the locker room at the time. But my reaction is like, man, how can we how can we not like a guy like this? Like I don't understand the hate that this guy gets. I mean, it, it, look. I get it, and we've talked about it. He's You can say he's corny, he's a goofball, that's whatever. But I think the guy's very genuine, uh, and I think he's very honest with us about a lot of stuff. So I, I don't understand where the uh, the hate and the, the malice comes from here. Well, it comes from the fact of, you know, here's a guy who's been really open and honest, and maybe at sometimes George may be too truthful and too honest – but once again, this is who he is. And if you look and listen to the story that he told about his father, that gives you some personal insight on who Russell is. I mean, Russell's relationship with his dad and his dad, you know, passing that that had a tremendous uh, impact on him where he is looking at his own kids in an entirely different way, his marriage in a different way, his profession as a quarterback in a different way. And that's why Russell, when he comes to the podium, and no matter if it's a win or a struggle, and the Broncos have seen their fair share of struggles this year, he's always positive and upbeat, and that continues to rub individuals wrong because at the end of that, and you didn't hear it, when Russell left the podium, he said, go Broncos, and he said, you know, let's ride as he was getting down. And there were certain members of the media would go, hey, what did he say? Did he, did he really say let's ride again? Right? So, so it, it is this criticism of Russ and Russ is trying to keep things upbeat and, and, and keep that, that face, that, that persona. And, and I think members of the media media have manipulated Broncos country because they want to see him crack. They want him to see 
They want to see flaws in Russell Wilson. They want to know that he's not a robot. He is human, but he's not a robot. He is just who he is. This is just the person Russell is. And because a lot of people are not used to seeing this, now it's become hypercritical of, of Russell. But once again, he just expressed it. He is very emotional. He didn't break down, but you can tell in the tone or whatever. He was really emotional about the situation. But to me, let Russ be Russ. And this this over, you know, this hyperbolic type of uh, uh, these narratives or whatever it is. It for me, it just seems as though there's an agenda, and it's not about football. It's just about trying to bring this guy down from a personal standpoint. Yeah, and well, the good thing is the media's opinion does not matter, right? Uh, all that matters is his teammates and his coaches' opinions. Which I, that's what I wanted to ask you, Nick. If you were a teammate of Russell Wilson, and also. I know you, you've been in the locker room. You've talked to guys. You talk to guys maybe more than anybody, uh, and you actually have like personal conversations with them uh, probably more than anybody else in the media, the local media here. What do you think, what do you think they think of Russell uh, off the field and, and, in the, and in the locker room and those sorts of things? Because I feel like there's this notion that people are like, how could anybody you know, want to be teammates with Russell? Like, or what do they think about him as you know, being this robot in the locker room or whatever. And I think people don't realize uh, that I think a lot of guys actually really like Russell. I think we saw the KJ Hamler thing. You mentioned that I think on the last podcast after the game, him hugging him after the game, I'm sure that they think he's uh, a little corny too, but I think that they also like the guy. Don't you? Yeah, I believe they like him. They understand that Russell is a little different because he, he always tries to be a positive person. Me personally, I'm a positive person. And I get criticized because the idea is that, well, you can't be that positive all the time. And I'm like, well, why can't I not? I'm trying to find a silver lining in a lot of uh, tragic or chaotic situations. And it seemed like Russ is that type of person. And he, he seems like he's he's not real or he's not genuine because the idea is that you can not be that freaking happy all the time. And George, I'll tell you a personal story. You know, when I married my wife and we, we, we started dating, that was my mentality. I mean, I had seen so much chaotic stuff in my life. I didn't think that this person could ever be this happy. And I was like, wait a minute, is she on something? Because uh, no one's ever this happy. But that was just the way that she was. And it definitely has rubbed off on me over the years. But this is how Russ is. And I know we all go through tragic situations. Life can be tough. The game can be tough. I mean, Russ is taking it on the chair locally and nationally. But he constantly goes up to the podium and he just cracks this smile and he tries to be as jovial as he as he uh, he can. And it comes off as being disingenuous and, oh, this guy is corny. I had someone tell me yesterday that, you know, well, Russ can't be a leader if he's not connecting with his teammates because he, he may be this way. And I'm like, how can you describe a leader like that? Because I said, I played with Champ Bailey and Champ rarely talked. But guess what? He led by example. So I'm sure there are players who look at Russ, they look at his challenges, they look at his marital situation, and you may you may envy that. And, and personally, you know, tell you a little about me. I mean, when I was playing for the Broncos, I was trying to think, okay, well, trying to navigate this dating scene. And I wanted to settle down, but I just didn't know and I couldn't find the right person to do it. One day in training camp, I saw John Lynch on the field with his son. They were running gases. I sat there, George, for 10 minutes. It, it's kind of like, it seemed like it was stalkerish, but I sat there for 10 minutes and I watched this unfold and I sat back and I said, man, I want that. So John became a model for me, not just on the field, but just from a family standpoint. And I said, I want that dynamic. And I went out and tried to acquire that. So there may be some guys who may have a little malice towards Russell because we live in a society where the, the envious tendencies right but i'm sure there's a great number of guys who look at russ and say you know what i want that he got paid a lot of money he, he married a beautiful woman he has a, a great solid family and i mean he, he's deep rooted in his faith i want that so i just feel as though there's some in the media who may be a little envious of what russell has and it just makes it or makes him an easy target because the team isn't playing well yeah i mean I think a lot of this, like you, I mean, you just finished by saying it, but 
a lot of this would go away if they're five and three. I feel like, like, I think people are just nitpicking at the guy, right? Like it's because they're losing. And so they're like, well, it's because he went to Cabo or it's because he's doing TikToks with his wife or uh, he's got the subway commercial uh, that by the way is hilarious, but also a terrible commercial. Um, <laughs> I, hope, I hope Russell hears that, but, uh, uh, but you know, I think that that's what it like, if this team was undefeated, none of this would matter. Like we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it, but we are because they're not playing well and Russell's not playing well, but I, I just, I'm just over it, Nick, as a media member. Like, I'm just like, let's talk about him playing football uh, and not worry about all the other BS that's going on outside of football. Because to me, I would, I would think that's what Russell wants to focus on. Uh, and I think that that's what we as the media need to focus on because it's not our jobs to dive into this guy's personal life and question his, you know, his faith or his, you know, his motives, or if he's like, you know, this super genuine guy, like that's not, at least that's not what I think my job is. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of over it all. And I'm over all that. I think part of the problem too, Nick is Seahawks fans are relentless. And so are some of the, the form, form some of his former teammates. I mean, Richard Sherman uh, being the king of it, right. He seems to be ripping Russ every single week. Pete Carroll's coming out and taking jabs all the time. Like, I just, it, it's interesting for a franchise like the Seahawks that won a Super Bowl. He's the greatest quarterback in franchise history, and they just turn on the guy. And all of a sudden, that's just creating these other narratives that I think are just petty and, and really just ridiculous every single week. Well, Joy, that should tell, you know, a lot of players, and I try to tell them, you know, it's like Jay Z said first they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. And that is something that players should understand. That team, that fan base, some of them, and, and that includes those in the media, they're going to love you while you're there. The moment you leave, then they're going to say all these other things about you. Just, just think about it. It's like a lover's scorn, right? I mean, when you were together, I mean, it was the best thing since sliced bread. Now you're not together. Now you're the scum of the earth. That's the type of situation that's happening with, with uh, Russell Wilson. And if you were a member of that Seahawks team as a coach, or as a player, and you didn't really say these things in the media, why do you feel free to say these things now? I'm like, look, if you have beef with me, come to me. Talk to me. Tell me about it. Don't don't get into the media. Don't wait till I leave and now start to say all these things. So, But we know how this works, right? This is something that typically happens in NFL, not with every coach, but with some in this case. And if you're Pete Carroll and you see how the Seahawks, you know what? Geno's playing well. You have a good record. Just just worry about that. Talk about that. There's no need to kind of kick someone when they're down. But once again, you and I are in the media, and whether we like it or not, these are some of the things that become, you know, narratives, that they become front-page stories and things that you can run with your whole show for three or four hours talking about. So that's kind of what happens with Russell. But I wish things were different here, but apparently they're not. Yep, and I, I I tweeted this out yesterday. I, I I questioned my entire existence as a journalist yesterday as I was typing uh, my story about Russell Wil- Russell Wilson and wearing a wrist, wristband. So that's what we've reached here uh, in Denver is is just ridiculousness. But uh, Nick, I think that's enough Russell Wilson talk. At least uh, off the field Russell Wilson talk for one week. Uh, let's take a break and let's dive into some more. Uh, Broncos Titans talk and some of the challenges the Broncos are going to face this Sunday. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, And Nick, we're done talking about Russell Wilson. Uh, let's talk about this matchup between the Broncos and the Titans. And I thought it was interesting yesterday. We talked to Nathaniel Hackett, um, and obviously he's trying to improve some things, what they're doing offensively. Uh, but he said he's talking about this match matchup, and we have the audio uh, that I'll play real quickly, and then we'll dive into what he said, uh, just about the physicality, Nick, uh, of the Titans. I mean, they're one of the more, more physical teams in the NFL. Obviously, that comes from Mike Vrabel, uh, who's – you know, become one of the better coaches in the NFL. Uh, they're winning close football games. They're able to run the football. They're really physical on defense. So 
there, here's Nathaniel Hackett talking about that and why they have to also be physical this week if they want to be in the game. Whew. I mean, you said, I mean, they're they an unbelievably physical football team. Uh, that's what they pride themselves on. That's how they run the ball. That's how they do everything uh, from defense, offense, and special teams also. I mean, they bring it, and uh, it's something you point out to the team. You let them know that these guys are going to bring it every single down. Uh, they love contact. They love being physical. They pride themselves in that. And it's a challenge for our entire team to go against a very, very good fo- physical football team. Nick, when you're heading into a game like this, and you know the Titans are going to bring the physicality. Do you get a little bit more juice, or what's maybe your mentality as a player heading into a game like this where you know the team that you're playing is is going to be one of the more physical ones you play all year? See, I'm the right person for you to ask this question, too, because I I love these old-fashioned slugfests. You're getting toe-to-toe in a ring, and you're going to give them the best shot, and they're going to give you the best shot because this is one of those nine-on-seven games. What I mean by that, that means that it's nine uh, offensive guys for seven defenders, and you know they are running the ball downhill, so I hope your insurance policy is paid up because you want to make sure that you're not one of those guys that get run, that's being run over. You want to make sure that you establish the physicality associated with this game. And this is what it's going to be. It's an old-fashioned slugfest because Malik Willis can throw the ball. They can use RPOs. He's still able to get around the edge. But this is a Derrick Henry type of game. And when you look at the Broncos over the season, they started out in uh, tops as far as being great against the run. And then they've slowly matriculated down to be in, the, in, in that bottom 20. And that's due because the Brees Holmes run, uh, giving up 179 yards to Travis Etienne, and then giving up maybe, what, 200 yards or something like that to Josh Jacobs. Those three games have now put them in the bottom as far as stopping the run. But if you are a guy on the Broncos' side of the ball defensively, you should take this as a challenge. They're saying that, hey, the Titans are more physical than you. This team doesn't have identity. You talk about Mike Vrabel. I mean, they are just embracing his mentality. What mentality does the Broncos have, and can they embrace Hackett's mentality? We don't know what that identity is, but guess what? Here's the great thing about football. We're going to find out on Sunday, George. We're going to find out on Sunday. Exactly, and and this is a big one um, for them. I mentioned it earlier, but, Nick, I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned those three games. When you, when you watch the games back or when you even watch them live, what's the biggest issue that's keeping the Broncos from being better against the run against those teams? Is it a defensive line issue? I know we talked about a lot about the edge guys earlier setting the edge, you know, not running up the field and letting that guy go by. Um, you know, is it the linebackers? Is it safeties coming up and feeling better? What is it that you're seeing that you're like that's what needs to be fixed uh, to help stop some of these run games? Well, basically what it is, George, it is a problem that is fixable. It's the fact of guys being pushed out of their gap and knowing how to fit up on the run properly. And I know that sounds really crazy because you have so many guys with so much football experience, but you have to walk through it. These are the things that you have to walk through to show every guy where his help is going to be. So he feels as though if a gap opens up and he's thinking, well, I'm expecting Draymond Jones to be in that gap. He's not in that gap. And if you're DJ Jones, you can now try to put your face in that gap because here's what happens. Draymond Jones recovers, and now you got two guys in the same gap, and then Derrick Henry or any one, any one of these good running backs in the league, they're going to find that hole. That's what they're trained for, and that's how they, they've been groomed over the years. So it's just simply know your defense, know where you need to fit, and basically it's simple. I mean, Bill Belichick said it best. Do your job. Right, right. Well, and and – you know, I, I look at this this defensive line, right? And DJ Jones has had a good year. Um, you know, Mike Purcell is going to have to play well on, on Sunday. I feel like he's had a pretty good year. Draymond Jones um, is having the best year of his career. I mean, he's a guy that I think is going to have to have a really big game on Sunday too. Who are some guys up front that you're like, if the Broncos win, blank played well. This guy played well and help the Broncos win this football game who are some of those guys that you would put in that blank spot and say yep that guy played great that's why the Broncos won well I'm going to start with Draymond Jones and DJ Jones and these are the two Broncos run stuffers and knowing as though Derrick Henry wants to run the ball in the teeth of the defense to soften them up and just kind of break their will this is where you need those two guys to be great 
And I also throw this in there because we're still talking about the defensive line. And I don't know what the combination is going to be outside the numbers, the two outside linebackers, but those guys are going to have to work well. You talked about it earlier. Play your responsibility, set a hard edge, because you not only have to worry about Derrick Henry, George, getting outside, you do have to worry about Malik Willis and those RPO plays get outside. They use that well against Kansas City. Had a couple of runs. Were not successful right away. But when Malik Willis started pulling the ball, they had to, to kind of to, uh, think about, well, we need to stop him as well. So that's going to be that whole D-line. But more importantly, it's just those two guys. Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, we need those guys to have a great, great game, hitting, shedding, getting up the pocket, and harassing you know, Malik Willis. And hopefully they can force him into some bad plays, and maybe the Broncos can now change things when it comes to that turnover differential. Speaking of Draymond Jones, uh, did you see his comments yesterday when he was asked about um, staying in Denver long-term? I was over there uh, <laughs> when, he, when he talked about it. Did you see his comments? Well, you know what? I saw the comments. I, I was talking to Jonas Griffin, so I was doing a little ear hustle. And when I heard the comments, quickly my head just kind of turned that way like squirrel. And they said, well, oh, that's Draymond Jones uh, speaking. But you know what? In these situations, you know, guys always ask about his contract. Do you want to stay with the team? Do you want to be with guy, a team long-term? And most guys, George, say, yeah, I, I want to be a Denver Bronco for life. But that's not how Draymond Jones actually responded. And that that's kind of him understanding the situation, not really wanting to talk about it and go in great detail with the media, hoping that by making the statement that he did, it would kind of squash the communication. But I guess it's only going to intensify the communication based on what he said. Yeah, I mean, I, I was right there. Um, and I actually started the line of questioning about, I asked about, you know, Bradley Chubb being traded because obviously, it, you know, on social media, Draymond posted about Bradley and, and you know, it was it was something that um, I don't think he was like frustrated by the trade because right. he, he gets it. It's a business, but he hates to see Bradley go. They were really close. Uh, and then it was followed up saying, well, you know, Bradley being gone opens up some cap space. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation that the Broncos would like to sign you to the long-term extension since Bradley's gone. And Draymond just said, well, I'm in year four and that's how I'm approaching it. And then it was followed up after that. That was just like, well, do you want to be in Denver long-term? And he just said, I'm here right now. And my takeaway was kind of like yours. Like he doesn't want to talk about it. That was him trying to like communicate like, hey, don't ask me about it. And number two, I think he it was very calculated. Like, I think he also it was something that's like, look, I want to get the most money I can get. And if that's in Denver, great. I'd love to play here. I like the Broncos. But also, I'm not going to just like take a hometown discount uh, and give them leverage by saying I love the Broncos. I love staying in Denver. Uh, and then, you know, the you know GM George Payton comes back and says, hey, you said you wanted to stay in Denver. Here's a, you know, a nice team-friendly deal. I don't think Draymond is about that. But also Draymond, like pe for people that don't know, like I've talked to Draymond quite a bit. He's just a very blunt, straightforward guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he hates the media, but I also don't think he like likes talking to the media. Uh, so I think you kind of have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt just because that's just Draymond's attitude. Like he's never going to be one that you – know, he's not like Cortland Sutton. Like I remember Cortland last year, he'd get asked about his contract. Be like, I love Denver. I love the Broncos. I love all this. I I want to be here. All this stuff. That's just not Draymond. Like that's just not his personality. Uh, he's not like that. So um, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting back and forth to to witness. But I I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that both sides are still probably working to get something done. I would assume. I'll tell you what. I mean, having a guy like Draymond uh, Jones, that that's kind of a media dream because you know why. Well, uh, He's going to give you what you need as far as a bite, uh, be it good or be it bad, because he's very uh, outspoken. And you can still tell he's a little salty and he's still a little bothered by the Bradley Chubb. Uh, yeah. trade. And, and, and if I were if I were Draymond and I was kind of advising him, I would have told him, yeah, that's what you say. You tell the team, hey, listen, I want to be a Broncos for life. Right. You play that head game that often teams play with you. And then when you start talking finances, and they're not talking the numbers that you're talking about, then you can push on. But you play that game. You play that role. But now he's kind of revealed his hand being a very outspoken uh, person and player that now George Payton is thinking, well, we trade Bradley. The next guy in line to give money to will be Draymond. Should we now reconsider that? Because Draymond 
may not be the person. We know what he is as a player, but he may not be the person that we expected. And sometimes in negotiations, those type of factors are coming to play. Well, yeah, and it's always interesting. You know, George Payton called him a core player uh, last week uh, at the trade deadline, Draymond Jones, but he also called Bradley Chubb a core <laughs> player just a few days, just a few days before trading. So I don't know if that's a death sentence in terms of uh, what your future looks like in Denver if you're called a core player, but uh, definitely an interesting one. Nick, before we get out of here, um, you know, let's go through quickly. What are some of the biggest keys to the game? We broke down the Titans run game. Maybe what's the biggest key on the other side of the ball uh, if, if the Broncos want to get a win on Sunday? Man, it is uh, controlling Jeffrey Simmons, man. And you're talking about a guy 6'4", about 350. I mean, Graham Glasgow may be the right guy for the Broncos to have at center this week instead of Lloyd Cushenberry, no dissing him. But it's going to be a physical type of game. And knowing as though Glasgow has shown that he has that versatility to play multiple positions, you're going to really need on his physicality. So when you think about it, you're going to need Glasgow, Quinn Miners, and Dalton Reisman. Those three guys are going to be really key. We're not even going to talk about outside edge, but if they can dominate the interior of the Titans' defensive line and give Russell time, create holes, it's going to work well for the Broncos. And also, knowing as though the Titans, one of the better teams in the league against the run, hopefully Coach Hackett don't do what some coaches do, have done in the past, start to run the ball. You're not getting uh, high volume as far as yards, and you're abandoning of the run game, because if you do that, you play right in the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Now they can pin their ears back and really get after Russell. So it is going to be sticking to the run game and you, and you, and those offensive linemen, Graham Glasgow included Jeffrey Simmons, you got to keep him off the stat sheet. Yeah. I think it's being able to run the football. Uh, and that's just something that Broncos have not consistently been able to do this season. So I think you've got to stick with the run game. Like you said, um, you know, continue to pound the ball. I mean, we mentioned it earlier, you know, they've got four different guys, throw a bunch of different looks at them, do some different things uh, to get that run game going. And then I think, you know, you're going to have to complete some big plays in the passing game. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you mentioned it, the Titans are really good against the run. They're, they're a little uh, suspect against the pass at times. So I do think, I know they shut down Patrick Mahomes though, uh, for the most part this last week, but I wonder if you can get, you know, Greg Dulcich involved a little bit, maybe KJ Hamler to take the top off down the field. You're going to need to complete some of those big plays, but those plays don't open up if you can't get the run game going. Like you said, you can't just, you know, throw the ball around, you know, 40, 50 times on Sunday and expect to win. So uh, that's, that's kind of my big takeaway for the offense is protect Russell Wilson and run the football. Uh, even if it's not working all the time, stick with it, keep going, try and wear them down. Uh, to where maybe you get in the fourth quarter and you're able to open some more things up. So uh, that's kind of my my biggest key on that side of the ball. Nick, what's your score prediction? Who you got on Sunday? It's going to be a tough defensive game. Like I said, slugfest. But I'm going to go with uh, the Broncos because when you look at the Titans uh, and uh, uh, Traylon Burks, he's not going to be in, in there for the Titans and their wide receiver core is not the best in the league. So I'm going to go uh, Broncos in a close game. I'm going to call it, George, maybe uh, 17 – how about this? 17-6 Broncos. Wow. That's a big one, Nick. I I think last week – correct me if I'm wrong uh, – when we predicted the Jaguars game, I took the Broncos and you didn't. Uh, and so I, I was right. You didn't have any faith in them. Now you're picking them to beat the Titans – uh, who are a lot better than Jaguars. So I wonder what's uh, what's changed <laughs> there uh, with your with your thinking. But uh, I'm taking the Titans. <laughs> I'm rolling. I'm rolling with the Titans. Listen, this week. After all of that and throwing me under the bus, you go. Oh, I'm taking the Titans. All yeah, I, I I I like the Titans. I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC. They're playing good football right now. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really tough to stop Derrick Henry. Like that just seems to be. It seems to be a really bad recipe for the Broncos, right? Uh, going up against a team that runs the ball really well and also stops the run really well. Um, I just don't I, I don't know if the Broncos can do enough to win this. So I see the Titans winning something like 17-10, 17-13, something like that. I do think it's close because every Broncos game is close. So I think that the Broncos have a chance at the end of the game. But uh, I like the Titans uh, to win this one. 
Mm, you like the Titans sign. I, I like how you kind of set that up. Like like last week, uh, I went to the Broncos. <laughs> you chose the Jags. And almost like, you're throwing me under the bus, Nick. You chose the wrong team. And then all of a sudden, you, you're taking an opponent. You're not even taking a home team uh, this week. Even though I know Derrick Henry is a, is a great player, to me, it takes more than just running the ball in this league to be successful. You eat up a lot of clock. But at, at the same time, you still need to throw the ball down the field. Like the Titans can't abandon the pass, just like the Broncos can't abandon the run once they're getting stuff. And you brought up Greg Dosage, right? De Greg Dosage, before he was drafted, he was considered by me to be the Broncos version of Travis Kelsey. Unleash the beast, right? That's your guy. That's what you want. Quick passes, right? When you look at Patrick Mahomes, I think he what, what was like, like a, a 68 attempts, right? Throwing the ball. Russell's going to have to run. He's going to have to escape the pocket, pick up some of those yards to keep it in short and manageable. But I still think that this is a game that the Broncos should win because the coaching staff has had two weeks to prepare. If, if you have not made any changes on the offensive side of the ball and you cannot stop the run, then guess what? You know, maybe the season is lost. I don't want to think it, about it that way, but this is an opportunity for the Broncos to really stand up poke out their chest and say, you know what? Things didn't go well early on. Now we're trying to turn the corner. So I'm still going to ride with the Broncos on this one. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one, Nick. I said it at the, at the top of the show. Uh, you know, you win this one, and all of a sudden things are looking a, a lot better uh, in terms of, you know, trying to make a push for the playoffs. So they, they, they go out and they beat Tennessee. I, I think a lot of people's, um, you know, eyes or ears, whatever, will perk up and be like, oh, maybe the Broncos are on to something here. So – um, this is a big one. Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend? Yeah, man. Um, celebrate this weekend uh, well. Obviously, around the league, you know, it's about salute the service. I had a chance to go to Fort Carson and hang out with a, a couple of people in the military. If you have military people in your family, please, you know, call them, thank them for their service and their sacrifice. And uh, everyone stay safe and be good. Yeah, definitely. Shout out my, my two grandpas. They both served in the military. So uh, definitely looking forward to that this weekend. But uh, Nick, thanks for joining me again this week. Uh, and thanks everybody for liking and sharing the podcast. Make sure you guys continue to subscribe and all that good stuff. And we will see you guys after the Broncos and Titans game on Sunday.